Matthew and I received an invitation to a meeting of justice-seeking Americans that Joanne had found taped to our office door. Some society or another wanted our presence there since we had apparently befriended several of its members. When we arrived, we were astonished to find many of our previous case subjects milling about with a few heroes we hadn't come into contact with yet. Sandman chatted idly with Hawkman while Flash and Green Lantern swapped jokes, but in this gathering we focused on the new faces and tried to figure out just what they brought to the table. Hi, I'm John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Oh man, day of days. (laughs) It's time for Guess That Writer! For the All-Star Comics volumes, uh, I want to say volumes three and four, but these are the first two stories about the JSA. Hmm. And uh, it's our first team book. Which I'm excited for, yeah. which means we're getting like first of all, everybody, we've been we've been doing this for almost a year now, but in comics time we've covered five years, thirty eight to forty three. I guess that does sound about we've, right. We've reached forty three from Doctor Fate and mm-hmm. Flash, and we started in thirty eight with Superman. Huh. So one thing I'll clarify though, we've actually been doing it for a little bit longer because if memory sure. serves, we started we recorded the like first six episodes after like December. back to back to back to back to back yeah. uh, before the new year, right? Correct. In in in, mm-hmm. in 2015 at the start, and then at the start of 2016, we recorded a few more, and then mm-hmm. we started releasing in February of 2016. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've been doing this for a little over a year now. But we've covered five years. Uh, yeah, that's a good. That's a good leg. I mean, we've only got like what seventy five, maybe 80, like seventy more to go, something like that. Ba-da-ba-ba-da. Oh. oh man, it'll it'll be happening. <laughs> so so this book comes to us courtesy of the Springfield Green County Library of Springfield, Missouri. Uh, thank you, used comics. Uh, recycle your comics. Some people might love them. Some people might need them for podcasts. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's just very interesting. This 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 uh, this book has seen better days. I can't even get the plastic jacket off of it. I don't want to actually. Yeah, like, it no. seems really on there, and it's just. Ooh, this is the oldest. This might be the oldest comic I own. No, like oldest volume because I own mm. older comics, but this might be the oldest like like bound volume I have. The oldest graphic novel. Yeah. Because also, like, the graphic novel, if I'm remembering rightly, is a relatively recent invention. Yeah. It it feels like you don't see too many, like, original print 70s ones. You do not, no. I I don't. Yeah. Alright. So Joanne's Joanne's here with us. We're going to start Joanne a little bit later uh, after I do a little bit of a Dramatis Personae roll call sort of a thing because Mm -hmm. there are several characters that we're going to be talking about that we have not covered in volumes. And a couple who we didn't realize... Well, one who I didn't realize was actually part of this comic and was entertained by. Yes. So uh, we're going to do that first. We're going to get those out of the way so that when we start the story we don't have to you know, uh, re-exposit for some of these people because some of them go into get well. I am so and so, and that means you know that I do these things. Oh my god, yeah, it's so funny. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to go into that. So I love the cover of, of with the winter issue of All Star number three, which was uh, nineteen forty, um, and that's just I love it. They're knights of the blue table. Yeah, they dance oh, whenever able. It's so classy. It's so vintage comics, and it's also the shot you see for every JSA JLA roster 
Hmm. Like you always see like a top down yeah. table shot of like who's around the table. But the logo is misaligned. It's yeah. not centered on the table. Yeah, that's that's hey, what are you gonna mm. do? But I mean like this is I mean actual graphic design for one. Ooh, oh. but it's the start of comics. <laughs> I'm slagging on someone who's probably very dead. Very dead, probably. Uh, but this is a very common shot mm. we see a lot of times. And I kind of like that this is like the first time we're ever seeing that. This is the origin of that roster shot it's actually interesting so tangent you're gonna hear me bring this up a couple times uh i'm reading a whole bunch of marvel comics right now because logan is amazing (laughs) and i may have bought myself that evening a ten dollar subscription to marvel unlimited and just been binging on comics trying to catch up with where x23 is and it's like there are worse things you could do yeah this yeah hey, man. well <laughs> i'm pointing at the comic that's fair I, mean, uh, I was i was impressed by this but yeah uh, oh we're, oh I'm, I'm gonna be interested then because mm-hmm. we're gonna have different opinions yeah uh, well probably. again probably <laughs> that's all right that's why we have this podcast yeah yeah uh, but uh it's interesting seeing like how often covers reuse the same shots over and over again like I mean, Avengers Academy, like the the opening scrawl, like inside is totally referring back to the 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 day that all the superheroes stood together to face foes that no one of them could. All that is like I love Avengers I, Academy. I, it, it's surprisingly good. But yeah. yes, it's interesting how often you see callbacks mm-hmm. in visual design in comics, which it's, you know at neat. this point it makes sense. It's a nice little in joke to those who know, and it's kind of like, ah, oh, nostalgia. It's, I like it. It's cute to me. Welcome to the podcast, listeners. Hope you survived the experience. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to die. Uh, <laughs> these are like the best tangents. Boy bands aside. <laughs> um, we're going to jump into the roll call here. Uh, into another boy band, almost. Um, and we're going to look at who we have in the Justice Society of America. So we're going to start with kind of the honorary member who I find the most interesting. Yeah. Johnny Thunder. Johnny Thunder is the seventh son of the seven, of a seventh son born at 7 a.m. Oh, I didn't. Yes. All right. And uh, he was then... Isn't that a Orson, Orson Scott card book? Probably. Seventh son of a seventh son? Right. Johnny Thunder is the seventh son of a seventh son born at 7 a.m. And that made him apparently a perfect target for uh, Badnizian monks... Baden, Baden monks, to kidnap him and then take him and then cast spells on him so that whenever he says the phrase, say you, which is in Baden is something, um, say you activates a power that allows him to grant any wish for himself for an hour by way of his lightning bolt or thunderbolt buddy. And that's it. That's who Johnny Thunder is. It's, he's he's Archie with a superpower. I was going to go Jimmy Olsen, but that yeah, was, either like, one of those works yeah, really Archie, well. He's Archie with like a wish-granting one-hour genie. Whenever he accidentally says the say you phrase. And you're just mm-hmm. like, and how many times and how many ways can he say it? Oh boy, they will find ways. Archie with the power of actual irony. Right. Uh, and so it's that's basically who Johnny Thunder is. He's a hanger-on of the Justice Society of America. He's not really a member, but he, he seems to be like their... G. Wilkers, guys, mm-hmm. character. He's their kid analog. You have Our Man, Rex Tyler, uh, the creator of... Uh, now, there's going to be two different ways to say this. Uh, Miraclo or Miraclo? I always went I, with Miraclo. I, I, yeah, Miraclo or Miraclo. It's basically a pill that if he takes it for an hour, he gets crazy superpowers. Like Superman-esque superpowers minus the flight. Rex Tyler has been in certain different uh, medias, cartoons, comics. Rex Tyler, the Hour Man, is a, is a figure that you probably will see if you go into heavy DC lore at some point or another. 
Uh, you have the Spectre, who uh, is a police detective with mystical cosmic powers who could do pretty much anything. Uh, think Dr. Fate, but like mm. in a Speedo with a cape and no shirt and pants. He's essentially Martian <laughs> Manhunter, yeah. but like pale and can do a bunch of shit for no reason. Also, the Spectre becomes the spirit of vengeance for God later in the comics. I don't know if that's thrown in here currently. I'd have to do I, a little bit more research. I, I think I remember reading in the intro that it was introduced later on. Uh, specifically, the, I think... Actually, I think this might have been in the intro to Dr. Fate. Uh, they talked about two effectively omnipotent characters getting nerfed a ton for this because there weren't storytelling possibilities when they Correct. were omnipotent. Right. Uh, then we have the Atom. Who is a runt college student who just has no powers but likes to kick ass. Wears a weird cowl and cape and strange outfit. Uh, a red tornado. Who is a woman who is kind of a badass vigilante who runs a grocery store in a crappy costume. Is that actually a thing? Yeah. Or did... The red tornado okay. had her own comics. Oh. Yeah, I had to... That... DC Wiki, baby. All Thank right. you, Dr. Internet. Um, and then the rest of the the uh, team we all know from our podcast, Hawkman, Green Lantern, The Flash, The Sandman, and Dr. Fate. So if you have any idea, uh, or any inkling rather, as to who those people are, go listen to the podcast. That's why we do it. Literally for that purpose. <laughs> Literally. That's what we are here for. Now you know. Now you know. So Johnny Thunder, Our Man, The Spectre, and The Atom, and The Red Tornado, who makes a single appearance, um, are your new faces. That's really all you need to know. They're never really going to... We're probably never really going to cover them outside of the JSA. Probably not. So just get familiar with these folks. Uh, they all have their own names. I don't know why I didn't write down the Spectre and the Adam's names. But our man is Rex Tyler. The Spectre really doesn't matter. It's, the Spectre basically becomes different people over the course of the DC Comics universe. Mm -hmm. So who this person is initially doesn't really matter because it's going to be somebody else later. The Spectre is like Hawkman. The good incarnation is later. Yeah. Uh, same thing with the Atom. Because there is two different versions of the oh, Golden Age Atom. There is the one that grows and has oh, superpower wow. strength. Mm -hmm. And then there is also Ray Palmer who is the guy who shrinks uh, with the suit. So there's like three different versions of the Atom. This is like the least interesting one of the Atom. This guy basically took blue pantyhose and yeah. covered his face he's, in it. He's really not that interesting. He, God, there's a whole lot going on here with like the costume choices. And yeah. honestly, of all of them, the Spectre's the dumbest one. Yeah. Yeah. The Spectre is the... the I think the gloves make it so much yeah, worse. Yeah, he's got like big ass gardening gloves. Oh, no, wow. yeah. No top. A Speedo. Big boots and the cape hood, and he's all pale, and he yep. looks stupid. Yep. Like compared to ever, like even Hawkman looks a little bit like He Man, Conan esque, and that kind mm -hmm. of works for his vibe. But like, there's a picture that I put on the Instagram of the Spectre like riding on the sideboard of a car, and I'm like, this is the weirdest looking thing oh, I've ever seen. Yeah, that's the thing. He actually gets in poses. Like, you get the feeling that the artist really wanted to do a character who's dramatic and, or not dramatic, but gets in interesting poses yeah. and dynamic poses, and it doesn't fit. the I character. will say the Spectre has the best flight poses. Hmm. Um, when they have him hmm. like zapping into things, like he goes into a telephone at one point. I'm like, that's how people really oh, yeah. fly. <laughs> and I was like, that's that's what that looks like and not whatever the Green Lantern is doing or Hawkman at any moment. So, the winter issue of All-Star Comics, number three, 1940, is essentially a, hey everybody, here's all these cool people that are in other comics and should you not know who they are, we're going to tell you a story about them so you can see all their powers and all their glory. Remember all the uh, 
New York World's Fair issues we covered that were essentially <laughs> like just a story to showcase yep. how cool this character was. That's what this volume is. So everybody essentially meets for the first Justice Society of America meeting that they all kind of decided that they were going to go to. And Johnny Thunder happens to be there because he says, say you, and then wishes that he'd be there and is. So that's neat, I guess. Uh, so by association, Johnny Thunder is a member. I think he winds up being officially inducted at He some does point. at some point, I believe. But, like, nobody kicks him out. Yeah. At any point. And, like, they're just like, yeah, I guess you can stay because you've got weird magic wishing powers. So fuck it. I mean, like, you're not any weirder than any of us. And so, like, they just let him in. <laughs> yeah, we were one tiny young man short of a good, you know, Saturday morning cartoon. So, yeah, you're in, kid. There were a bunch of ways that sentence could have gone. Yeah. And thankfully, I went the Saturday morning cartoon route. <laughs> and, yeah. And there was much rejoicing. And no one, not a single woman in this group, yeah. all older gentlemen, except for the Adam who is in college, but still, I want to say, probably mm. older than Johnny Thunder. Yeah. All older men and this young individual, they have to have their young man gentleman friend. I'm glad we could establish that early. There we go. So... We're just going to go down the list of kind of the stories that everybody has. Uh, the Flash. It's rest- an anthology. Yeah, it's, it's just, just an anthology. The stories really aren't that important so much as like the fact that this is what this volume is. Uh, the Flash rescues a treasure diver. Hawkman fights lava men. He kills a guy. So yeah. there you go, body count. Um, the Spectre fights the bronze monster Oom in space, which is kind of neat. <laughs> it's so cool. Liter- literally, it's just so weird. Literally made me want to read everything the Spectre has ever been in. Just because yeah. like this is literally all I ever want. That one, that one I'll agree with. Uh, that one was a moment of... And it just has, like, a complete tangent for no reason for, like, two pages. Yeah, it's like, like y- you're... No, okay. I was like, what is any of this? I want all of these comics. And I just... I was like, good job, guys. You sold that. Hourman stops a bunch of thieves who dress up like Hourman to commit crimes and then clears his name. Uh, the Sandman arrests a mad scientist who is using, like, thyroid glands and adrenal oh, glands yeah. to, like, grow things unnaturally, and then they die. And they say the word flesh sacks a yeah, lot. It makes yeah. me uncomfortable. The, because the bones shrink, yep. but the skin doesn't. Right. Yeah, I know. I literally have flesh sacks mm. written in my notes, and Mm-mm-mm. it's just... Not good. Yeah. Not good. Was <laughs> that not was expected. visual. That. I was not prepared for that when I was reading mm. that part. I was like, oh, the, I was like, did I read that right? I was like, yeah, they're, like, legitimately saying flesh sack. Yeah. Um, Dr. Fate stops an evil sorcerer who also has the Witches of Endor and Maddened Unicorns at his disposal. Right. And I'm just like, dude, Maddened Unicorns, the best new indie band name. And also, the Witches of Endor look nothing like Ewoks. And that makes me upset. Okay. Just two <laughs> things I want to point out. Those are both also on the Instagram if you feel so inclined to look at what I'm talking about. Uh, the Adam fights a bunch of crooks that he comes across while he's on a geology field trip uh, for school. Green Lantern stops a crooked reformer from taking power in his city. So they all kind of tell all these stories, and Johnny Thunder's like, oh my god, this is great. The Red Tornado makes an appearance for whatever reason, just to be like, oh, comedy relief for two pages, and then leaves, and never comes back. And then they get a notice that the FBI director, or chief, rather, mm-hmm. of their city, probably New York, wants to speak to them. So the Flash leaves uh, midway through this, and then everybody keeps telling stories. And when the Flash comes back, he tells them that the FBI chief wants to see them for a big case. And that's the end of the, of the volume. That it's leading up to, oh my god, what is the you know that case going to be? Find out in the next volume. And I was like, that's a good cliffhanger. You told solid stories for like... 74 pages like you're allowed to do that in the midst of this 
there's a two-page vignette with Johnny Thunder to kind of show you like what Johnny Thunder does, and it's the dumbest, most ridiculous nonsense I've ever seen. It's actually pretty glorious. It's amazing. Like it's hilarious and super cheesy. But I was like, this is compared to everything else that's happening. This is so stupid and such a weird, non, not correctly juxtaposition thing. Mm-hmm. Like the cognitive dissonance between seeing this like literal like Cartoon Network early morning Saturday cartoon nonsense happening mm-hmm. to like. In between Hawkman literally throwing a man in a volcano and flesh sacks. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm actually going to go a little bit of a different direction than uh, Hanna-Barbera. I'm going to go with, like, I Love Lucy. Yeah. Because it's a grounded, real situation. And you have this one character who just, this weird outlandish stuff happens. And granted, like, the other superheroes are not exactly grounded. But it's like, oh, this is superhero stuff. And then you just have Lucy bumble into the picture, and it's like, well, we're having ourselves an outlandish adventure right now. But it's it's a very yeah. weird vibe in the middle of Lava Men and Flesh Sacks. <laughs> it's fucking bizarre. It's, it's uh, hey man, you gotta do what you gotta do. And, com- and, and I, I noticed, and I felt sorry for you, because... He, among other characters, completely do the whole, like, oh, yeah. well, the editors of this comic. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. That, we... And the thing is, these ones aren't even funny. Like, that no. that one was, like, it was stupid, but it was like, alright, coming from you as the comic relief character saying, well, I don't really tell stories about myself, but the editors wrote a two-page story about me to explain who I am. Right. And it's like... Well, that's dumb, also the fact the comic that, like, relief. yeah, also the fact that in like the very first pages, Johnny Thunder is looking at more fun comics, <clears throat> Flash comics, yep. Detective comics, All American comics, and it's just stuff like that all the way and, through, and adventure comics, and that just no, no, you do not, you do not yeah. do that. And the key thing for me is like when the Flash does it, okay, it's tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek. Yeah, here is just like if they're trying to be tongue in cheek, and I'm going to say this again and again. The joke just doesn't work. It doesn't land. Land the damn joke. Alright, so we're going to move on to the next volume. We're only covering two volumes in this because it was a lot of reading, but then we're going to get the next two volumes, and then we're going to see kind of how we feel after this, depending on where things go, because I know Wonder Woman gets inducted, and I kind of want to see that, and there's also, I've been seeing some Black Canary volumes, maybe? Oh, shit. And I think that would be fun oh, to have shit. Shannon back and see the original Black Canary, because I'm Johnny Thunder... to see where the original, what the original Black Canary is like. Guess who like, her sidekick was? Johnny Thunder. Oh. I kind of want it. I kind of want to see all of that old school like corset, fishnet, it, black canary, and Johnny Thunder. It, yeah, is that actually the the I'm, whole setup? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. If I, I not if if DC Wiki it. didn't lie to me. So uh, yeah, <laughs> All Star Comics number four, volume number four, the March April 1941 volume, the Essential Reader's Digest version. The Justice Society of America stops Nazi spies in America who are trying to infiltrate every portion of American life and turn Americans against democracy and for totalitarianism. It's Canterbury Tales with Nazis and superheroes. Yeah, and uh, just a quick recap so we can get through it and talk a little bit just about this whole comic. Uh, Flash stops, quote-unquote, gray shirts at a manufacturing plant. Green Lantern stops a transmission disruption on a Zeppelin. Uh, we're going to Gimli a giant Zeppelin that he blows up because there's people on it. Hmm. Uh, Spectre stops sabotage at a munitions factory. The Hour Man stops the oil fields from being tampered with. He also blows up two men who are in a car and drives them into an oil derrick, so that's uh, two for the Hour Man. Dr. Fate uh, protects a bunch of shipyards in, I think, Massachusetts. I'm not, uh, I have to check yeah. my notes, but I'm. it's East Coast. Mm-hmm. Most of this happens on the East Coast. Yeah. Sandman yeah. stops anti-U.S. propaganda from being spread by just being just macho as fuck. 
Hawkman safeguards a prototype plane. Adam stops spy recruitment on college campuses. That was actually kind of interesting and like weirdly like creepy and evil. There were bits of this that were uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, and then they all stop Fritz Claver from organizing the spies with Johnny Thunder's help. Fritz Claver is essentially the guy who was organizing the spies in Toledo, Ohio. Weird place mm-hmm. to be organizing spies from. Not really a central. There's like, a fixation with Ohio. Yeah, it's really strange. And that's about it. They all kind of stop him. They bring him in, and the FBI chief is like, those guys are some badass dudes. And you're like, you're goddamn right, son. America, fuck yeah. And then it's the end. And that's literally it. That's all the summary Wait, we're doing. 70s cop dad? We get your approval? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and that's it. For summary, I mean, I already did the Dramatis Personae, which is really the most important part, because then you get everybody's powers and stuff. So, honestly, at this point, I'm going to let you helm. All right. Let's see. What to start with? Uh, oh, before that, oh, should yeah. we do who who the writer yes. was? Yes. So I'm curious because I actually have a theory on this. I, 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 I don't have a full theory. Oh. I, I do think I, I think we have to go Gardner Fox uh, okay. just because that is the way of the world. But second off, I think the creative team actually some of the stories are actually done by the regular creative team. I don't think it's a single creative team going all the way through, especially on an artist side because I noticed that the, I think it was the Sandman story, it might have been the Dr. Fate story, had the elongated ease. They did. No, you're, you're okay. correct on that. I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. So, And it stood out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to guess that some of them are different groups, different people doing different stories, but I have to go Gardner Fox. Okay, uh, Joanne hit Gardner Fox on the board. Gardner Fox! <laughs> Uh, I yeah. can't escape him. He will not leave me alone. He haunts me in my dreams. And it explains why it... The things that I talked about, like, in the past of, well, this is inoffensively short, and it works well as a result. Well, I think this is what happens for, to me. This is the boredom that happens when you stretch that over more pages. Yeah, so it is Gardner Fox, and I think E.E. E. E. Hibbert. Hmm. And that's... So the thing with that, really, that interests me is... Bill Finger did Sandman. Mm-hmm. And Bill Finger did GL. And I'm pretty sure Bill Finger made the Spectre. I kind of want to... Now, we've read yeah. Bill Finger, Sandman, and Green Lantern, and we like those. Mm-hmm. Probably a little bit more than... Uh, honestly, more than we like Hawkman, Dr. Yes. Fate. Yeah. Um, you find more enjoyment in The Flash than I do, but I would say I like Sandman and Green Lantern more than I like The Flash. Agreed. Okay. Agreed. I kind of want to read Bill Finger written Spectre now. Yeah. Just to see what the yeah. difference would be. But that's just it. So it's interesting that mm-hmm. all Gardner Fox, this is how Gardner Fox wrote the team. Don't know how much collaboration there was. That mm-hmm. was what I was able to find on the DC Wiki. It says the writer is Gardner Fox. It says pencils by E.E. E. Hibbert. That's mm-hmm. all I could find. I'm going to go with the DC Wiki because that's pretty thoroughly researched. Yeah. Um, and pretty reliable. Mm-hmm. So, if whatever information's out there, it's going to have the best version of that. Right. So, and again, because the fucking book has none of that. It has yeah. none of the stuff that that all the other books have, which is like stories by this person unless otherwise indicated or whatever. I think I think that's the thing is there were there were artists and writers who t- had clear ownership over those characters in those issues right. and then here it's like, well, here's a weird ass smorgasbord. Right. 
So, okay, that was that was the game we played. Hooray! If you guessed Gardner Fox, it wasn't that hard to guess. <laughs> uh, unless you didn't. Well, I mean, you couldn't read it, so you had no idea. So you couldn't gauge. You unless you have at home been also reading these comics and seeing how Gardner Fox writes, and you got this as well. You probably could have guessed it. it, it are, do we have a read along podcast? That'd be dope if you yeah. want to read along with us. We could do that on Twitch. Yeah, read out loud. Do the voices. Uh, that's some ASMR <laughs> shit right there. Reading out loud comics. Be interesting if we read them very softly and lovely. R-O-L-C. Oh, I like it. Um, so yeah, so let's go. You, you were saying uh, before uh, about the writers and, and like just seeing the different you know tone shifts and art and stuff like that. Yeah, just in general, like I was... I mean, I wasn't... Nothing about this was horrifying. It th- This was the flip side of inoffensively bad. It was just inoffensively not good to me. I I didn't feel strongly about any of the characters. None of the none of the scenarios felt like they had a huge sense of personality. In part because they were trying to be thematically linked. It's more the second volume, but even the first, it was like it was clearly framing these all as stories that were happening at the same dinner table. They were being told. Uh, as compared to, and now we're going to the strange room where Hawkman stuff happens, and now we're back over to college room. It, these were all part of the same entity of story, and so you didn't. I didn't feel like there was personality. Uh, there was there wasn't much of a chance for separate personalities to develop, and they and Gardner Fox didn't try to give the situations personalities. So you just had this. Bland stuff. The action wasn't good. I I didn't feel like there was the same momentum that I got from, say, well, certainly not from like Sandman, but also from uh, Green Lantern or any of the more recent stuff we've read. Like it felt like there was always stuff going on in Doctor Fate. Here it's just like I don't know if I've just seen the same action poses too many times, but it didn't feel like like there was combat that was interesting. Absolutely agree with you. However, to me, this was the appropriate amount of space needed for every single one of these characters. It was just long enough so that I wouldn't get too bored with that person. I'll and that was that. it for me. And I'll I was like, all you, all you need is ten pages and I'm happy with you. And that I, was it. I don't think there was enough in those ten pages, but I agree that it didn't overstay its right. That was, I think that was the takeaway for me was like, this is the correct amount of pages for Dr. Fate. This is the correct amount of pages for The Flash for me, or for Hawkman, you know. Anything longer and repetitive was too much for me, and I started to, to see it. And for me, I was like, this is this is enough Golden Age razzle-dazzle that as I can stand for you, and that's all I want. But you are absolutely correct. It's like looking at a dollhouse that has different rooms where different things are happening, but it's all in the same dollhouse, so it means it's the same book. I kind of want to keep getting these just to see how they evolve as like how much how when do they get fluid mm-hmm. when does a team book become like let's all how when, a, do, when a does, team book when do they all get on the same page mm-hmm. instead of just yeah. being there yeah. to like exposit like when do we get to see the sandman and the adam team up mm-hmm. and fight guys that's what i want to see and i kind of want to see that moment like who's writing when that happens what does that look like? Does that work? Yeah, if if that ever happens, that'll be really interesting. Because that, I mean, 
I think we get a little bit of that in the Fritz Kavler, Klaver. Yeah, Fritz Klaver. Fritz Klaver. Or Klaver, uh, whatever you want to say. And I assume it's more guttural. I Probably. assume it's Germanic, but he's, not, yeah. hell if I know. He's, he's foreign, so like every bad guy that they didn't want to just say, he's a Nazi! The uh, dictator nation. I, I think there were, there were swastikas in this at one point, right? Um, no. Oh, no, you're right. In the propaganda room full of yeah, stuff, there yeah, was a yeah, bunch yeah. of swastikas. But, you were but generally, like, gray shirts, you have a lot of the accoutrements, but you don't have... The haircuts, the, yeah. the facial hair. They never said Nazi. They never said Nazi. They always said you're probably right. They always said dictator nations in gray shirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So personally, I felt this was a really bland yeah. volume so far. Uh, and I do have it written down as shitty Chaucer, uh, which I'm going to take as a moment to plug uh, Hyperion by Dan Simmons, I think, which is Canterbury Tales in space, but it does a brilliant job of taking each of those stories and using them to build towards the climax of the story uh the whole shtick is it's a pilgrimage to a site and the tales actually get told as they're getting closer to the shrike uh so highly recommended that's a great way to do an anthology that is part of a single story entity and then it felt like in the last hundred pages he decided he wanted to make a series out of it instead of it being a one-off book and i wasn't a fan of that what else flush sack (laughs) <laughs> not going to get over flesh sack, honestly. And neither will you, listener, because you're hearing the word flesh sack right in your eardrums. You're just going to wake up in the middle of the night. You know how usually like, you wake up and start your day with a song stuck in your head? No song for you. Mine is Heat of the Moment by Asia. Ooh. Because I uh, watched that Supernatural episode and it's never not in my head. Or it's I Am a Real American. <laughs> you didn't think we were going to do it, but somehow we fit wrestling into this. And we did. I was surprised that it didn't come up earlier today, Every pod, every stream, I have said something wrestling related. And I said, you didn't think I could do it, but I did. And then I move on. <laughs> I like that you've got a shit. <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to call out. Uh, we talked about how there are no women on the team... It feels like these versions of the girlfriend characters are more patriarchalized. Yeah, you do see Irene and Shaira. Shaira um, jumps out of a plane to get attention. Stupid Lois Lane <laughs> move. It's a stupid Lois Lane move. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, well, that's probably Hawkman. Guess I'll jump out of this plane. Like, she legit opens up a commercial airliner's door in flight with a parachute. Like, ah, fuck these people. I'm not going to depressurize the cabin at all. Did fuck she it. have a... Yeah! I forgot that she... she puts a parachute on. Parachute. She puts a parachute on. She's like, that's fine, fuck it. And it's like, leaves. And I'm like, one, um, you just depressurize the entire cabin of that plane. Holy balls. Crazy lady. Two, if that wasn't Hawkman, you'd look like a dumbass. <laughs> like, granted, you have a parachute... If that was just like a semi-far away bird that you mistook for your ancient reincarnated lover, one, you need glasses. And two, <laughs> holy crap, you just put like a bunch of civilians in danger for no reason and now you have to parachute to, God God willing, some land mass and you weren't flying over the ocean. Because It was really stupid. It's so dumb. It was really stupid. I mean, there, there are a lot of those moments where it's just like, I understand you're moving quickly through this story, but... No. Irene was handled well. Like, she wasn't handled any worse than she was was in Green Lantern. Which was, yeah. I'm going okay, to do yeah. this thing, I'm going to try and stop it, mm-hmm. and I'll be mad at you if you try and do this without me. Yeah. Irene and is always a go And Scott goes ahead and does it without right, her. Because he's Green yeah. Lantern. 
But she's a go-getter, and I appreciate that about Irene, where mm-hmm. she's like, I am a good person, and I want to do this thing. And it's like, you know what, get on you, lasagna. Like, that's a good idea. Um, you ever heard me say that? No, no I, I've, say I've heard you say it a couple times, and that, but not often enough that I've gotten bored of it yet. <laughs> Start saying that, listeners. Nope. Start saying that as a good thing, because I do all the time, and it and it works every time. I've got... Two more little bits of information, then I have a discussion question. Cool, yeah. Uh, so, they mention the Hawkman story. I think it was the Hawkman story where they they go to uh, Krakatoa, right? Yes, that's Except the, they the, call the it vol- Krakatau. The volcano Krakatau. island with the lava people and the weirdly gendered lava suits that they have. Yeah. Shaira's volcano suit yeah. has a skirt. It's on the Instagram. If you, yeah. if you want to know what I'm talking about, it's on the Instagram, and I and I have like that exact phrase is like, wouldn't it be weird if these were if these were sexless and gross? Like it's just it makes no sense that a volcano suit would one have spots for Hawkman's wings, yeah, and two would have a skirt for Shira because we need to know it's her. She has her freaking helmet off the whole time. It's not like we don't see it's Shira. Yeah, it, not. <laughs> Not a shining moment for uh. Gardner Fox. But the other bit that's interesting. So, when they get there, there's an attempted uh, assassination against them uh, by someone claiming to work on behalf of uh, Mazda. Mm-hmm. So, Mazda presumably refers to Ahura Mazda, who podcast listeners of other podcasts may recognize as, well... A modern day, the name given to the god of Zoroastrianism, hmm. uh, or I guess to the deity of, uh, well, one way or another, uh, Zoro- Zoroastrianism is a monotheistic religion, and the name of that god, uh, of the god in that religion, is uh, Ahura Mazda. Hmm. Uh, I think one of the words, I think Ahura might be the learned or something like that. Uh, but it, it also is the the name of the god. Of the Achaemenid Persians, I want to say, uh, which is the Persian dynasty that attacked uh, Greece. Hmm. So you may have heard uh, the name Ahura Mazda on Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, in which case you are good company. Hi. Hi. Uh, but the thing is, Zoroastrianism, not a big thing in Indonesia. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Especially not with lava people. Also, Krakatoa and not Krakatau. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Also, fun fact. Uh, there is another smaller island next to Krakatoa that is being formed from it. Uh, just, it's got a name like Child of Krakatoa. Yeah. Interesting stuff. I don't know enough about island volcanoes. Hooray. Uh, the other bit is, let's take a moment to acknowledge the fact that the villain of that same storyline, of course, is white and preying on gullible villagers. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, once again, Hawkman goes somewhere and the native inhabitants aren't even important enough to A, be the villain, or B, have consistent characterization between their initial appearance and the end monologue where they explain everything that happened. <laughs> yeah, he's just sitting there dying, talking at Hawkman, here's everything that happened. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, what's yeah. your discussion question? So, this is something that occurred to me when reflecting on how we analyzed this comic and Hawkman and Dr. Fate and 
uh, Green Lantern, probably going back as far as The Flash, and comparing that to how we looked at the very earliest characters that we did, specifically the Trinity. Right. Like, when we went through the Trinity, we dug into them. We looked at implications. We looked at changes in characterization pretty deeply, and especially we drew thorough through lines from there to the modern versions of the characters or where those through lines didn't come through. Um, And I had a very similar experience in some ways uh, going... I I have been reading basically every comic that X-23 has been in. uh, And it turns out there are a lot of crossovers in modern X-Men history. Dear God. Uh, So, one way or another. That's your hell. (laughs) Mine's Monday Night Raw. Yours is that. I mean, it's not even like... That's the thing. A lot of it isn't even bad. And a lot of it is actually probably quite good if you had the build-up to it and were reading all the comics. Uh, But I noticed that there are a lot of pieces that I just don't examine. And then there are specific arcs or specific issues where it's like... Okay, no, I'm immediately looking at all of the implications of this character uses this name, uh, calls her X-23 instead of Laura, stuff like that. The points at which I start paying attention to the minutiae. And I kind of want to talk about what is it that makes us treat a comic as intentional in that way as compared to, like, when I go through this, a lot of times it's just like, well, I, I don't assume that Bill Finger or that Gardner Fox was intentionally doing these small things I notice. I'm not going to analyze or give credence to these little bits because I'm usually assume, well, okay, this is just him being a lazy writer. When do we give that assumption of validity and importance to stories? When do we say this is worth my time to dig into? And I have some theories, but I'd be interested in what you have. Uh, Post comics code is when that's going to happen, in my opinion, uh, or my prediction. So a lot, of, a lot of that is going to also be chalked up to the fact that the people we have been covering post-Trinity mm-hmm. are not important. Um, because these are all Earth-2 individuals, and when we see them again, when the Earth-Prime individuals come into play, they are all old. Except for Carter and Shaira. Mm-hmm. And maybe Rex Tyler, our, uh, the Adam is completely different. The Spectre is an entirely different person. Kent Nelson is no longer Dr. Fate. There's definite change-ups that don't make them the same as they are here. So, the point at which these characters start to matter is when the Justice League of America encounters them. Mm-hmm. Then, when we start reading the Justice Society and the Justice League, we can start going like, oh, this is a callback, or oh, this is intentional, because remember that one time when that one thing happened? I think the problem also is, there is no history here yet. Mm -hmm. This is the history. This is the original, intentional, wild west of these things. They're building off of this. Eventually, you know, we're going to have Lois Lane be the character that she is, purely because they're trying all these weird, aggressive things with her, like drugging Mm -hmm. Clark, or stealing his stories, and things like that. They're going to be like, all right, Let's not make her so uh, law-flaunting and mm-hmm. like kind of just make her aggressively good at her job. How do we do that? How do we make Lois Lane a go-getter journalism woman? Let's go from to... chaotic neutral to neutral good. Yeah, so, yeah how, do we, how do we make that shift for her? Versus like, how do we make Superman not a communist? 
when do we do truth justice in mm-hmm. the American way? And I, I Ooh, genuinely, yeah. I genuinely think it's going to be post comics code hmm. when they go, okay, hold up, communism's bad, McCarthyism's in, it's the new thing. Everyone's got to shape up or you ship out. And I think that's when that's going to happen is when we're going to start seeing Superman start being, you know, the guy with the bald eagle on his hand holding an American flag. And Batman and Robin become Batman and Robin from the 60s that we all know and go like, yeah, that's Batman and Robin. Wonder Woman is going to be a lot more um, Wonder Woman-y with Steve Mm -hmm. Trevor. It's going to be a lot more, uh, I hate to say the term, but like girly. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's a a dumb... More patriarchal assumptions of femininity. Yes, there we go. That's it. And the other guys will go away. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when you got guys like Barry Allen and Hal Jordan and stuff like that, um, like those were Kennedy era superheroes. Mm-hmm. They're sciency. These guys are all magic. It's actually a good point. There's a lot of magic on this. So, except for the Flash, mm-hmm. everyone else is magic. Uh, the Flash and Hourman are the only two on that team that aren't magic adjacent. Mm-hmm. Even well, Hawkman has to, the reincarnation. Sandman and Adam are no power source, but so those are we'll, we'll like remove them. The from power, the power related, magic adjacent. Green Lantern's ring is magic. Green, Hawkman yeah. has magic reincarnation. But, yeah, uh, the spec, uh, the Spectre is magic. Doctor Fate mm-hmm. is magic. Every and the only two that yeah. have powers. I, I, I definitely agree. There is a preponderance of magical heroes there. Right, and those are the guys that don't survive, mm-hmm. and then they come back as Earth Two. I think that's when we're going to get that. Like, I think you're absolutely right. We are seeing a lot of the same things because these guys are just trying to sell these characters. Mm-hmm. We have seven more years before we get to the point where they're like, all right, knock that shit off and make it suitable for Americans because we're think you're, we think you're corrupting our children and that's not cool. Because these were being read by adults. Mm-hmm. Like, comics were going yes. over to the soldiers overseas like these weren't mm-hmm. solely for children yeah solely that, that that's the magic word not solely. right versus later when the war is over and everyone's making money and disposable income is starting to become a thing and everyone's having kids and everybody goes okay communism's a new threat we don't want our kids being you know taken over by communism freaking comic books were like the pool halls of the era <laughs> We don't want our kids hanging out in pool halls because that'll promote delinquency. We don't want kids reading comics because it's going to promote communism and weird ideas and they're not going outside and they're not, you know, exercising. Just like when reading was bad. Like, you know, all those characters that are perceived to be stupid or, or dumb or lazy or inexperienced because they're reading instead of having life experiences. That's what they were also concerned about with comics. So when that starts to happen, that's ten years worth of history that they can go, okay... How do we make references to stuff that we can't write anymore that then have an, an evolution that are intentional? Mm-hmm. I think we're like when the writers also when, get when there's good. an intentional redesign, then you the the examined life is right. It, it will be more intentional because you got to also think these guys yeah, have only been writing fair. these characters for a couple of years. They're still trying to figure out what to do with these people. And they're, someone threw a bunch of characters at Gardner Fox right now, right? And they're <laughs> just like like Bill Finger, Bill, just make a bunch of people and write them, and then Gardner do the same thing, and Siegel and mm-hmm. Schuster, and they're all trying to figure out where they fit in. Like they're mm-hmm. all doing everything and trying to see what lands like how many like how many stupid weird like racketeering stories have happened because they know that plays well with the adults 
But then they're going to insurance go, fraud, right? Insurance fraud or racketeering or some sort of mystical swami type person, you know, faking being, you know, precognizant so that they can trick unsuspecting fools, foreign powers and spies. Uh, mm. How many times do we actually see mad scientist, sorcerer? The stories that we're used to seeing in comics are the outliers here. Because they're like, I don't know if that's what I want to do. Or Lex Luthor, what? Robot armies and dinosaurs? (laughs) Nah. That might be because they're trying to be tonally consistent and they've latched the fuck onto the... What is it? Uh, for America and Democracy? Right. Battle Cry? Yeah. That, that's them trying to maintain a consistency within the singular story entity. But, yeah, like there's a very clear decision here of... Let's have these be relatively normal super or right. villains because they're also competing with Dick Tracy, the Phantom, the mm. Shadow, who are dealing with primarily terrestrial-ish problems, mysticism mm. to the point of exotic mysticism. It's not yeah. magic, magic like we assume with like Zatanna or Harry Potter or uh, Doctor Strange. It's foreign occultism. Mm-hmm. Some island witch doctor yeah. performing magic. It's not magic as a common practice. As a common practice done by literally everybody. We're not there yet, and I, and I know that's a, that's a, the conversation you and I always have. It's like how many of these stories are we going to read before we get to something really good? And that's the thing is like this stuff. This this was it. Like this is history. This was them. This is the creation of the comics industry. Before Stan Lee, like, mm-hmm. before, you know, uh, any of those writers and artists that come in and change the game, before, you know, uh, Alan Moore and Frank Miller, like, guys like that, like, I'm thinking maybe we should look at um, a yeah. little bit uh, of... Will Eisner? Eisner, yeah. Like, this is even before Eisner. So, I mean, like, we're, we're not there yet. I think Eisner's the first turn of, like, superhero comics. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, I'm down to grab some right, like because I think it'd be worth our time, and mm-hmm. we're not there yet. We're seeing the old cement that they put in 70 years ago that has cracked in a lot of places and showing its wear and tear, and that's mm-hmm. what this is. And I and I agree that like yeah, a lot of the times it's same shit, different day. It's not nearly as exciting. But then we get those moments where we're just sitting there, we're going like, what the hell is Diana's day? <laughs> You know, like yeah. crap like that. Diana's Day had to happen because you know someone, some some writer somewhere is going to reference Diana's Day mm. as a throwaway line in a bubble in an expository sentence, and it's never going to come up again. But you're like, I know what that is. We're in the Macross missile spam right. portion of this. Exactly, exactly. And I love that I can say that and everybody knows what I mean. Right. <laughs> it's it's rough and god bless you for sticking with us for so long because some of this stuff is just you listening to us freak the hell out about it we understand that we appreciate it we try and be funny and entertaining for you because who boy like some of those first episodes for us are rough and i understand and like you know i've i see you watching the first episode and going like i don't know if this is for me (laughs) that's us with these comics Mm mm-hmm you got sometimes you got to push through to get to the you know the boy bands and the funny jokes and flesh sacks. It's so much worse when it's part of a sentence, right? It's this is hard for us, and it's hard for us because we love these characters. We grew up with these characters. We we're comic people, and it's hard. Like it's it was hard for Shannon seeing Wonder Woman be the way that it was, and it like actually really did make her sad to mm-hmm. see a non empowered woman as Wonder Woman 
And it makes me disappointed to see one of my favorite superheroes, the Green Lantern, be with Doiby Dickles. I was surprised that Doiby didn't show up. I was this. surprised too that Doiby wasn't there. I was like, we're pulling all the stops. I'll just bring Doiby out. I wonder if he just hadn't been out by that point. I, yeah, I don't know. Doiby and Johnny Thunder, I think, would have been great pals. Um, or it's like, I have to watch The yeah. Flash The Flash force feed a man a whole fucking turkey. <laughs> and I'm like, Jay Garrick, uh, come on. You're you're a mentor, man. What are you doing? That's a frat boy prank. Like I'm, and it's just, it's so true. I right? don't want to. I don't want to go out for uh, superhero landa landa. Right. It's just. Oh. Bottom line being, we have our we have our suspicions when these things will happen, and I'm sure, like you nodded when I said um, when Earth Two shows up it was when you thought like we were going to see that kind of stuff, or, or these it's because these guys aren't important as we're not seeing those moments. Yes, uh, mostly like. I think it's a good question to ask in general. Like, I think this is something... This is a homework assignment for you guys yeah. as well. Like, figure out what it is that makes you th- intentionally choose to engage with a piece of fiction or a work. And so so that you can understand, like, when you need to consciously adjust. Like, I know this is better than I'm paying attention to it. Right. Let me intentionally engage harder. Uh, I think that when characters are reborn effectively or partially recreated, then we'll have that intentionality and then we can pick it apart. But I think especially, like, the fact that there are through lines on some characters that there just aren't on others. Like, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that these are versions of... Most of these characters are not the people we're going to see. Like, Alan Scott is not the Green Lantern. I mean, he is, but he's not the green... He's yeah. not the green lantern. When you say that, you don't immediately think of Alan Scott. Yeah. You think of, you know, Hal, John, Guy, and Kyle. Yeah. And this certainly isn't Jay Garrick as we know him. Right. He doesn't it, have gray hair. Or he's, you know... It, it's... It's Garrick. It's Garrick, Captain, but not as we know it. Yeah. It's it's the early years part of his wiki page. <laughs> you know? Ooh, wow. Yeah, the bit they just gloss over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and and I think that's something that carries through into uh, modern uh, modern comics as well is when you know that a character or an event doesn't really have ramifications going forward, like that retroactive importance, that retroactive uh, value is absolutely a thing that comes up when I'm deciding effectively deciding whether to engage deeply with uh, work in the modern age is. Is this actually going to be... Is this going to be on the test? Right. Yeah. Yeah, or is this right. something that's going to come up and never come up again? Right. So answer in the form of an essay. Uh, due on Joanne's desk by Friday. Joanne, you have homework now. <laughs> Her homework is their homework? At le- yeah, at least they're not like... We're, we're keeping them off the kids. We're keeping them out yeah. of pool halls. Yes, we're keeping them out of pool halls and away from... Reading with a capital P and capital T, and that rhymes with P, and that stands for pool. Oh, music man! Thank you for doing that reference. I'm I, really I, glad I, you, you got it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Um, I think it's going to do it for us today. Um, yeah, 25 episodes. Thanks for listening to our our dumb comics t- stuff for 25 episodes. Um, we feel like we're really just we're all good pals now. Really, like we're close. But not too close. Flesh sacks. Yeah, there we go. See, that now you just take your headphones off. We're, we're done now. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. To 
stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, dcdetectivespodcast.com. Amidst this Congress of Gods, there were three mortals. Myself, Matthew, and Johnny Thunder. Johnny oohed and awed appropriately at the tales of Daring Do, while Matthew yawned and I nodded my head in agreement. What these heroes had done was impressive, but it was still the same old same old to us. There was no pizzazz, no dazzle. Perhaps this was all we could expect from these heroes. We took our leave of the group after the meeting adjourned, but on the street we were stopped by Flash, who told us that the next meeting would be very soon, and that he expected us to be there as well.